right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Other Duties as a Sign. Today we are joined with Larry Maples. He's the equipment guy at Middle Tennessee State University. He's going to be talking to us a little bit about his story and, and his path through equipment. So, Larry, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, thanks, first of all, for having me on, uh, Pat and Scott. Um, my story is a little bit different, just like everybody else has their own path to get into equipment and get into the chair. Um, and it's crazy, like I was just telling you guys off the air, uh, by degree, I'm an industrial engineer. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I spent uh, five years of my life going to college to get an engineering degree, uh, got out of school, did that for a while. And uh, my true passion was in the equipment room. Um, so getting to the equipment room, it started off my freshman year. I was actually assigned to be a baseball guy. And um, that summer before, me and a couple of my buddies from my high school baseball team, we got some jobs at the uh, the local, you know, baseball park, and we were on the grounds crew. And, of course, our duty was to show up early before everybody, drag the field, paint the lines, make sure the fields look good before everybody gets there. And we hung out for most of the day until something was needed. You know, we go back out there and do it again. Uh, and, and I caught kind of liking to it. Um, so I end up reaching out to the baseball coach here up at Middle, and, uh, of course, they're always looking for guys to for some, some kind of labor to do anything. So it was like, come on, see if you like it. Uh, and then we'll see what we can do from there. Uh, in the meantime, I had a buddy, my best man, uh, DeMaio Partee. He got a part of the uh, the football staff. And so they had a guy drop during camp, and he calls me while I'm still waiting to go to college. He's like, hey, man, there's a spot. If you get your stuff and you get here ASAP, you know, it's yours. And I'm like, DeMaio, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> He, he has no real job. She can't tell me anything. He's like, man, we're going to work with the football team. They're going to figure out a way after a while. There's some kind of stipend to pay for some stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it took me, you know, it didn't take me much convincing other parents. Like, hey, I'm already accepted in school. I'm going to try to go uh, do the football route uh, as an equipment manager. And, of course, they got a ton of questions, and I don't have a bunch of answers. I'm just like, it's going to help pay for school some kind of way. <laughs> so just let me just just let me go and uh, we'll figure it out from there. So end up getting up here and uh, the head guy at the time was Troy Johnson. So he's currently the the assistant AD at Jackson State right now, and he gave me an opportunity to do some things. And um, I I found it really intriguing on how much it takes to put on a Division One football game practice or whatever it is that nobody knows. You know, there are so many things behind the scene that that people have to do where it takes place um, that I was getting the inside look in that I never knew existed. So, you know, I'm having phone calls with my parents, my buddies, like, Hey, we're traveling out of town. We got to do this, this, and this, and this is what we do for the players. And this is what they get. And this is how it all kind of comes together. And you see it on game day, but nobody really recognizes the guys behind the scene that do it. Uh, so I went from, you know, um, you know, just doing laundry and, passing out, you know, whatever the new gear is, labeling things to uh, more responsibility as time went on. And um, like I said, ended up graduating in five years. The The fifth year was just a fluffer because I didn't know exactly where I was going after that. And they were like, hey, you can stay on and just kind of drag it out. And I was able to figure out, you know, let's let's uh, give me one more one more ride at it. And we did that. And immediately after graduating at that time, I had my boss was. Courtney Gaucher, which is now the the AD at uh, Florida A&M. And he gave me the opportunity to come back and go to grad school um, and stay in the equipment room and get it paid for. Uh, so in the midst of applying for jobs and trying to figure out what's next in life, I get a uh, I get a few job offers in the engineering field. And, you know, when you see those dollar signs fresh out of school, you, you jump. You know, I went from making rent and barely being able to eat to you know, more money than I've ever, you know, could imagine um, in the engineering field. So took my first job at Electrolux. Uh, I was an industrial engineer there, did some production line assemblies and uh, plant, a bunch of plant uh, specific things. So uh, the experience was cool. I got to meet a ton of people. I got to travel. I got to do a bunch of things there. Um, but I, I quickly found out that I did not want to do that forever. <laughs> you know, um, we were making ovens at that specific plant. So you're talking about seeing thousand ovens go through a day and you're trying to figure out the best way to do it, um, which is cool. Um, and you actually I can say I helped 
designed an assembly line that uh, launched a Kenmore double wall and single wall oven. Um, but it's not as cool as sitting on the sideline Saturday on game day in front of thousands of fans watching your, your favorite team play football. So uh, I was trying to figure out what can I do next. So end up taking another job as a supply chain engineer. And, and most people think this is one of the most lavish jobs you can get once I kind of explain uh, where I was and what was going on. I actually uh, was on the Southwind TPC golf courses where the, the headquarters was. So I could literally look outside and see some of the, the, the world's best golfers out there at any <laughs> given day uh, from my office. Um, but my job there was pretty much design warehouses. So if you guys ever see distribution centers, etc., uh, I pretty much designed the pick path, you know, the pallet size, the, the material size, how guys are getting in and out, getting that stuff and delivering it on, uh, to whatever the destination is based on supply chain demands and a bunch of things we had going on at the time. So I'll get raw data and analyze it and then give them a, a plan to move forward based on the region it was in. Guys, I was bored out of my <laughs> mind doing it. I mean, <laughs> I, I would it would literally take me probably a week once I got the raw data, figure this stuff, a week to actually figure out what the plan was. And it may take me another week uh, to coordinate everything. And then I would be sitting on my thumbs for about two weeks until we actually did the project. And so this is an environment where there is a, you know, it's an office. And so you dress up and. It's shirt and tie or collar shirt or polo, and it's in a corporate setting. So you're getting in, you, everybody's at the coffee pot in the morning, you know, talking about, you know, Monday, you know, can't wait to get to a hump day. And then Thursday is, is Friday Eve, and then Friday, everybody's ready to get out of there. Um, and I couldn't do that forever either. So, yes, I will tell you guys, yes, the money was great. Um, but I got an opportunity to come back and take over the head job here at Middle Tennessee State, where I am now. And um, I couldn't I couldn't let it pass me by at the tender age of I was 25, 26 at the time. Yeah, 26 at the time. And I was like, hey, I can spend the rest of my life doing something I enjoy or I can try to, you know, grudge my way through what my current position. And so I took a leap of faith, guys. You know, I took about a, a, a huge pay cut. And uh, massive pay cut. Yeah. Yeah. I took a huge pay cut. I work more hours and I get less time off um, and I make less money right now. But um, it was definitely a journey and a decision that I would if I had to do it all over, I'd do the same way uh, just because of the people I've met and the things I learned along the way. Um, but when I took over here um, as a student, you're, you're kind of shielded from a lot of things that the, the head seat gets. And so. Uh, you start to see some of the battles your head guy has to fight. Uh, you start understanding a little more of the budget piece and, um, you start talking about contracts and getting all different multiple sports on board and what they need. And yes, I'm the head football guy here. Uh, but there's only one, uh, equipment guy. So I do all sports. So I learn, you know, what every single sport needs. Um, I have no idea what some of this stuff is. <laughs> uh, but I sit down with the coach and I kind of explain to me what you need and how it helps your program. I don't know. I'm just kind of uh, blunt with you right there on um, some of these sports. But once they kind of explain it to me, I sit down and I understand. And I figure out a way that I can get it for them. Um, Peter had a, a good working relationship between all the coaches. Uh, I'm an open door. I'm an open book. Uh, my equipment room door is always open. They come in and shoot the crap with me a bunch of times. And if they tell I'm working, they know it's a hey, Larry's working, leave them alone, let them get some stuff done. Mm -hmm. um, but I've, I've learned along the way from some of the greatest guys. I'm, I'm the first to tell you, I will pick up the phone at any given moment. If I don't know how to do something or, you know, something on my plate that is above me, you know, that's the best way to learn. Then I'll do it. I'll screw it up. And then I'll call somebody else. or I'll call the same guy and say, Hey, what did I screw up? Or, how can I do this better? And um, like I said, it's still a it's still a, a work in progress. Absolutely. I mean, that's the biggest thing with this. I mean, stick hit on it. Josh hit on it. Everyone It's the common theme is this is a people business. And if you know people and, and you've got somebody you can call, it's it's kind of takes a village, you know, to, to raise a kid. It takes a village to run any equipment room. So that village extends past your own university. And 
I think some of the things you hit on, the most exciting part for me is when you get in camp and you got those freshman students come in and they're realizing what it is that they have to do and, and everything that goes into it. I know my wife always tells the story that her eye-opening moment was after the first game. We had white cleats at, at Georgia Southern and she was a student manager with me. And we went into Titan, uh, Titan helmets and shoulder pads and stuff after that first game. And sh- the girls got sent into the uh, cleat room and they were shining shoes. So they were wiping the grass off of white cleats, and they had bleach, and they're scrubbing them on rags. She was like, "Why are we wiping their cleats clean?" And that was the that was the big oh, there's there's more to this than than I really thought. So it's it's always interesting to see those kids come in and really have their eyes open to it, and you could kind of tell there's that spark with some of those freshmen. It's like, yeah, they're they're gonna want to do. This. They are here for the stay, and then once they graduate, they are off and will never walk in a quim room again. But, man, I mean, you said it. Once you're on the sideline, there's nothing like watching your favorite team play on Saturday from the sideline. And it's hard to ever go back and do it different. Yeah, and you you brought this up, and it was something that I, you know, the first time I ever took over. I worked at Richmond, and it was initially when I took over, it was just me. And then I had the opportunity to bring in, you know, one assistant, and that was like a really big deal. Uh, But you said you kind of sit down with your coaches. A lot of times you don't know – what in the world it is they're talking about they need. And I basically would tell them, and I was like, listen, you know, there's two lists that you can bring me. The list of absolute needs where you cannot function without them. And your list of wants, which is just however, if we have room in the budget, you know, it'd be, it'd be a good thing to get. And, you know, once you start developing those good relationships with coach, coaches, you know, they, they start to trust you and that you're going to do everything you can to take care of them. So it's, you know, like you, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head where it's, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, you have your times where you're working and the coaches know that and they don't want to bother you, but you know, you got to have that open door. You got to be able to communicate with them. And the more you spend time with them, the better off it's going to be for you. Cause it's going to make your job easier. Oh, so they're not coming to you last minute. Right. Always, always. And, and I got a sign on the, on the back of my door, you know, um, <laughs> A lack of planning on your on your part does not constitute for an emergency on mine. And so I preach, I preach, I preach. I cannot do anything about something I do not know about. If you let me know, I got a water bucket somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, there's especially like right now, a lot of equipment guys are going through that. I know. Um with basketball seasons coming up this month we finally hit november we're going to start something other than you know some sports are playing football some schools i mean um some aren't but with with even the schools who have delayed to the spring everybody's basketball so far seems to be starting up as normal so we're starting to hit that oh crap we haven't done anything since march here comes a season um and there's going to be some some last minute fires that are going to have to be put out but it's kind of one of those things where we just got to roll with the punches but um yeah, I think your path has been interesting. Um, I think that it's definitely different than what most are, but no two stories are the same. I think it's very challenging to have to work with all sports, but I think one thing that you've done well from what I can see from the outside is the organization piece. And I want to talk to you a little bit about, I mean, you've got spreadsheets for days. You've got some, I can't I can't imagine that that didn't help uh, coming from your engineering supply line background but it, it can't just be spreadsheets he's formulas for every single cell too that he's oh in for there. sure for sure oh i i love them um <laughs> it, 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 for me for me it creates transparency and it allows me to organize my ideas and put them on paper because mm-hmm. um, in my brain i know exactly what everything's allocated to and for but I need somebody else to be able to understand what I'm thinking without um, having a lot of back and forth dialogue. So I can be able, I can sit down, put it together, send it to you. And I want you to be able to understand if somebody asks you, hey, you know, what's your budget? What line items are distributed or allocated for what? I want you to be able to go in there and look at it as well and say, hey, this is what we did last year. Let's adjust here and move forward with this year. Uh, Remove some of this or add this to it or do whatever. But if you never have that baseline to start with, you're kind of all over the place. So mm-hmm. uh, it just is a it's a technique that, yes, I got from supply chain management uh, that I kind of rolled over into athletics. But it works. Um, you know, if it works in one industry, why not try it over here? Absolutely. 
Yeah, I think I it mean, definitely helps. I mean, I would say that's got to be one of your biggest things. But for you being one guy for for X amount of sports, how do you keep up with being so hyper organized on the computer side and putting the time in? Because I've told uh, people about inventory management systems. It's the same with these spreadsheets. I've got similar ones that I've used in the past, but it's you get out of those systems what you put into it. So you've got to put in the work on the front end. How do you juggle that, the manual labor aspect of the job with the computer aspect of the job? Because if, if you know, the, the modern equipment manager could spend 90% of their day on the computer, but those helmets still got to get tightened, those face masks still got to get switched over to this helmet you're wearing this week, and, and if those screws don't get tightened, then the face mask is coming off on game day and nobody wants that. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, I kind of think of myself as a like a coordinator or head coach. Um, you got to put the same way you put orders down and think the process through. I do the same thing with um, what I call my action tracker. Um, and so it's pretty much an Excel sheet of who's doing what and who's responsible for it and what's the deadline. Um, and that's kind of how I operate in the equipment room when it comes to getting things done on that front. So my student managers walk in. And I have a um, pretty much 60 inch TV up there with a Excel spreadsheet that's up there. Who's responsible for what? When I need to make sure it's done? Um, and that, there's a it's kind of hierarchy of who's responsible and who to report to. So I have my setup right now is two graduate assistants and ten students. And so we kind of break it up by section. And my graduate assistants get the grunt of the work. Um, they make sure the grunt of it gets done. And my students pretty much report to them. And then at the end of the day, I kind of sit down and have a meeting um, with my graduate assistant just to see where everything is and what's the status of it. Um, that helps on the organization of that piece. Uh, when it comes to inventory management, you're going to work on the front end or you're going to work on the back end. And I really believe if you set it up right from the beginning and you kind of understand what your plan is, you can work a ton on and, and, and automating a bunch of this stuff. So using the systems like you're talking about me having um, formulas in my Excel sheets. Well, once I set it up the first time, guess what? Next year I don't have to do yeah. that's, you know, that's a day or two off my um, off of my time that I'm sitting there doing some some of that manual input data entry kind of stuff. So um, being innovative in the equipment room and just not being a um, just the normal day-to-day guy just under how can you make it better how can you make it more efficient um that was that was a piece of what i was doing in um supply chain um we had warehouses that were just inefficient so we reallocated and moved parts around bin sizes changed pallet sizes changed pick routes changed um and i kind of take the same approach to my equipment room I would say I was about to ask that. So I know obviously embracing technology and especially with like your spreadsheets, your organizational skills, how have you implemented like that engineering background to even like the layout of the equipment room and how everything operates there? Have you changed how you are storing things and how how you have all of that set up? It's funny you ask that because uh, one of my guys I met at uh, the, the convention, Devin Charles at Tulane. What's up, Devin? Um <laughs> We, we go back and forth on who we think has the smallest Division One equipment room in the country. And <laughs> I, I think I have the smallest. But from the outside in, you guys would have no idea. You guys would not know. Um, so I kind of pride myself on being able to put out some of the things we put out in the space that we have. And so one of the, one of the, the principles uh, of lean manufacturing is, is variation reduction and, and waste elimination. And so I can do that by having what I call my pick zones, you know, my my things that are quick grab to go where I was going to have, you know, my lower reach levels. And then all my surplus items right above it kind of designated depending on what size is and what kind of totes it's in. Um, And then there are things all equipment guys hate. Like we hate getting sweats in the summer. Like, like, come on, guys, where are we going to put this right now? Yeah, I don't have room uh, to store these. Exactly, exactly. So I, I cheat the system a little bit. Sometimes I may send it to the the embellishment shop and forget to pick it up, um, <laughs> things like that. You know, we all, we all, we all do it some, some kind of way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, but I haven't totally reconfigured my space, but I've maximized what we currently have uh, for our operation. 
I think that's that's the name of the game. And there's a lot of small ones out there. I've gone from small to big, back to small, back to weird. Um, <laughs> I've been in some weird equipment rooms, but mine isn't even square. A lot of people, mine, it's it's small and it's like a triangle. It's uh, it's it's. I store pads somewhere in the stadium. Um, I mean, I'm all over the place, but um, I, we we get it done. That's that's the name of the game, man. It's it's. I've seen pictures from from Twitter of your equipment room, and it you can tell you're not working with with a huge amount of square feet there, but it always looks clean, and that's that's the big one. If people walk in and they see a clean floor, and if they ask for something and you know where it is, there's not much more that you can ask for from that standpoint. Um, I like hearing about you know your action plans and how your student managers and your GAs are really empowered because to me that that says you're putting out good people in the workforce, um, not just for equipment, but if you've got empowered students and they've got the right amount of challenges put forward that they can build some confidence and really overcome some stuff, and they're going to go out into the workforce and they're going to be confident to do a good job there. So I think developing student managers and, and protecting student athletes is the name of the game, and it sounds like if you've got somebody across your desk with a resume from Middle Tennessee State, they're probably going to know what the heck they're doing. And if they don't, I teach them all how to think, not what to think, but how to think. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So that's a big thing because a lot of people, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but you think about some of the student athletes you've had come through or even some of the student managers that I had working for me. And I had like uh, biochemical engineers and like I had some very, you know, aeronautical engineer. I just, I had some very intelligent, book-smart human beings come into my equipment room, and I'd tell them to go, like, fold a shirt, and they looked at me like I'd, I had, you know, told them to solve some ridiculous, unsolvable equation. They're like, you want me to, to fold <laughs> shirts and put them away? And I'm like, yes. You see that yeah. shelf? Make the yeah. shirt look like the other shirts on the shelf and put it away. Like, it's really not that difficult. And Or just, like, setting up a field, you tell them to go set up the jugs machine and shoot jugs uh, to players, and they... You know, they're scared to do it because they don't want to not because they don't know how to do it. I mean, they might not know how to. I mean, it's really simple, but they don't want to do anything to to mess up. So it's mm-hmm. trying to teach them along the way. And you got to get them up front, like break them down to, you know, be able to mold them up and, and get them to understand certain things and hopefully get them to be able to think on their own. So you're not having them come in every day and be like, all right, what do we need to do today? My favorite yep. student manager was the guys that would come in, say, hey, to me, say, what's up? Let me know they're here. But then they'd immediately start on what they need. They know needs to happen, and those yeah. are like the those are the best ones. And you spoke on how clean the equipment room is. I make my guys do what's called a five S, um, and that that's again from my my former life. And I got it written posted in the equipment room. Uh, but five S is just some principles that it's sort, set in order, shine, standardize, and sustain. Um, and so when I say guys, it's time to five S before they get out of there. Everything has a place. Every piece has a place. I want everything where it belongs before we leave that day. And then we come in the next day, we'll start fresh. We may screw it up throughout the day, but before we leave, I want to make sure that that place is speaking span. Absolutely. There's nothing worse than coming in in the morning and some kid comes up and he's like, hey, I forgot to bring these by. My back plate came off. And you go to get your favorite screwdriver and little Timmy used it the day before and didn't put it back. So you spend five minutes trying to find your screwdriver because that's the one you like to use. That That is a pet peeve of mine. So I'm, you're right there. Five S's sounds like, uh, to, to quote Stick, put it on a shirt. Uh, we, need, we need to get that on the shirt. Stick's in the shirt selling business these days. So seems like seems like he's got, he, a, he's got a nice little side hustle going there. Yeah. Seems like anything he hears, it's put it on that shirt. That's uh, He hit it on the uh, the old book club this week. So five s's put that on a shirt because students need to constantly have that in their mind but i think some of us full-time guys do too uh to be fair but uh yeah with that pat let's let's take it to a break and then we'll be back with more from mr maples all right welcome back guys we're still here with larry and um i want to i want to open up this second half here with what has you know, really become my favorite question. Scott thinks I'm ridiculous for asking this to everybody, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's the name of the podcast, but if you could, what would be, you know, the, the best example of other duties as a sign that you found, whether it be in your, your student work or now that you've kind of become the head guy and 
having to to take on a lot of other sports and other things that you know you really didn't um kind of know how to do but where's you know been that calling for for other duties as a sign for you well i got i got one that was eye-opening to me that when i was given this task i was like i'm i'm responsible for this like <laughs> me like there's nobody else that can do this and um so my first year we go to uh the hawaii bowl and um we got a we got a small operations team so there's not a lot of support staff here uh and so our guy guy our dfo goes advances ahead along with our secretary along with all of our what i would call our big wits so they're already there and and then i get a call and they say hey Larry, we need you to bring the per diem i say okay where is the per diem? And they give me, you know, how to get it and what's going on. And mind you guys, we're talking about about fifteen grand worth of cash. Yeah, that's a lot of money. The per diem, especially for like a week in Hawaii, because I did the Hawaii Bowl too. That's yeah, right. That's and so I'm telling you, I go, I go into school, and they tell me where to get it from, and I get it. And the entire the night before we fly, I mean, while we're flying, I got to get with the troopers. I let the troopers know, hey. I got this on me. I need y'all to protect me. Like I'm paranoid the entire time. <laughs> now, mind you, this is on top of all the other equipment that I'm responsible for getting to Hawaii as a first year full time equipment guy. Yeah, the couple hundred thousand dollars of football equipment that you're trying to get down there. Yeah. On top of that, I advanced. We got it. We had an A team and a B team. A team uh, had some managers and trainers on it to advance. They were supposed to get to the stadium before us, set everything up. We were going to get there on day one and practice. Well, that was the year there was a storm, and their flight got delayed in Texas. So I'm trying to figure out where my guys are, You know, what's the status, how we're going to get them somewhere, get them a hotel, let them stay overnight, along with 15 grand in, my, in a backpack that I didn't know I was going to have to get there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys, you were you were lucky enough to practice at the stadium. You guys didn't pra- have to practice at uh at Hawaii, like no, at the university. Uh, uh-uh, we actually practiced at the stadium. So I used a logistics company, Team Worldwide, door to door service. Um, but just getting that stuff there, just the logs and the writing down what's in every trunk, what's every single screw, mm-hmm. screwed everything um, from my my trunks to my trainers to everybody that we advanced stuff for. Uh, having that stuff logged down just so we'll know where everything is and where it needs to go to because we had two destinations. So it was either going to the stadium or the hotel and, you know, being able to communicate that back and forth. It's not like we're working with these guys every day and it's not my regular truck driver that knows, hey, numbers one through 11 go here, number 12 through whatever go here. Um, so just working out all those logistics was was a nightmare journey. Yeah, it's a, it's a nightmare. That it's it's one of the best bowls when you get down there because you're spending an, essentially a week in Hawaii. But the the nightmare of getting everything there, hoping nothing either gets lost or damaged along the way, mm-hmm. and then and then it, we it, get there practicing day one. And mind you, my advance crew hadn't made it there. wasn't there, so they had so nothing we get set there up <laughs> to a locker room with nothing set up. Coach uh, is looking at coach is looking at you like, uh, well, he, hey, hey mean, Larry, where's my stuff? <laughs> I, I, we've been communicating the whole time. So he knew once we got there, it was going to be nothing. I, I like, Hey, here goes some footballs. We can <laughs> do walkthroughs. Let me feed, let me set up while you guys do whatever. Yeah. Y'all, y'all go meet for a few hours and then <laughs> I'll, I'll get everything set up when it gets here. I can't imagine that normal, all equipment guys joke about it where you have the dream where you wake up and you forgot the game balls or, you forgot the coach's trunk, or it's just something random, and you're sitting there waking up like, "Do I have the fifteen grand? Where's Where's the fifteen grand?" <laughs> I, that's that's the extra extra bit of stress that I can tell you I don't need in my life. I'm sure you didn't either. That's a first, though. I've never heard of the equipment guy being being the the sack guy carrying the bag. I would have I seriously would have been sweating bullets the entire time. As soon as they told me that I was the one in charge of carrying fifteen thousand dollars around, I'd have been like. So there's there's really nobody else there, you can. There's can no there was <laughs> nobody else. And then how about this? We uh we took off from the Murphy Center here to go to the airport four o'clock in the morning. I'm also help. I also help with travel logistics. Um, and I get there. There's no plane. There's no pilots. 
There's no screen security. <laughs> Did you guys win? I mean, I, we're, obviously, we're, we're laughing at this, and that's like it's it's a terrifying moment for you when that happens, and you can laugh about it now because it's you know it's past. But that is a moment when you're sitting there, and it's to the point where like you're looking around and you almost don't know what to do. That's terrifying. Did you win though? We did not win. This is then. Then now it all feels like it was a sign. If but you it won, it all week. worked. The week leading up to the game was great. I'll tell you that. That once we got there and got the, got settled in, we didn't have to go to multiple locations for practice, etc. We practiced in the morning. So once we got done with practice, Hawaii was great. Their hospitality was great. Uh, they kind of came, picked up our laundry right there. Uh, in the state, like I didn't have to go anywhere. It showed up right there the next day. We passed out. We rolled. Yeah, I mean, Al and his crew, his staff are pretty. They're pretty awesome. I mean, they do. They do a good job. They they really want to work with with you. You know, whenever you're whenever you're there. At least I, I think he's still there, right? Al, the the equipment guy at Hawaii. Al, I don't know. I, I mean, he, he I mean, he'd been there for a while, but he was the guy that him and uh, his uh, his assistant. His name was Tots Kyle Tots, and that was because we practiced at the university when I was at that bowl game. And the one nice thing for you guys was, I mean, you could set up your locker room and you were, you know, at least 50% ready to go by the time game day rolls around where we're picking everything up from this practice facility, making sure we're not leaving anything mm-hmm. at the practice facility and turning around and trying to get everything to the stadium the day before and, and really doing a setup then. So um, at least, you know, it was less stress for you with, with that, but those, I mean, with that, and you're thinking, "Hey, man, this is cool. The Pro Bowl is here, and you know they they had done the Pro Bowl here for so many years, and you would expect it to be like this amazing, beautiful locker room, and it's it's a <laughs> it's a dumpster, man. But that place is <laughs> Look, it. And the equipment guys, I, it's not a dumpster because you got a ton of space. We had there is room. You got Absolutely. a plethora of locker lockers. If if you you get a locker, you get a locker, <laughs> you get a locker. Yeah, Figures everybody like your video staff, your 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 DFL, like everybody was getting locker. Your ops guys were getting lockers. There was, there was room galore, but it was just like, it's like a leaky basement. Yep. That's what it felt like. Yep. That's it. Yeah. I think who do we have on? Somebody was talking about that, how the facilities weren't, I think it might've been uh, your boy from Cincinnati cause. I think he was saying like the, uh, the facilities weren't the best and you're complaining about how you have to get up to the press box and you're walking around the stadium and then you just kind of look over and you're like, there's mountains right there. That's the beach. Like, holy crap, I'm in Hawaii. All right, this isn't that bad. Well, the press box stunk too, but I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to be rude about it. I mean, the, it, the, the surroundings and everything about being in Hawaii for, you know, five days a week, however long you're there, that, that makes up for everything else, except for the fact that it pretty much rained every day that we were there. At mm-hmm. any point in time, it, like, it, it could either be beautiful, sunny, and it's like, you know, you're in. It's December. You're there, and it's like 85 degrees the entire time, or or even warmer. But it rained at least three days on us while we were trying to get in practices. So it was not fun. We lost too. So talking <laughs> to a couple zero and two guys in, in Hawaii right now. I never won a ball game. Ooh, you hate to see that. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough, Pat. You got to come back for one year just just on a team you know is going to make a yeah, bowl and win to it. redeem yourself. I mean, I started my career with too much of a pop. That's true. He wanted. He so wanted. I was, at, I was. I was. I, I was at App State, and that was when we went in and beat Michigan and won the national championship that year. And it was basically downhill for me after that. It still is. You continue to go. Down. Yeah, I'm a vendor now. <laughs> I'm a vendor during COVID. How do you think it's going? <laughs> Can't be much worse than how uh, than how some equipment guys' lives are during COVID. I would imagine, but. I do want to ask this, uh, Scott, not to cut you off. In yeah. in terms of like with your the way your organization is and the the early because you guys are Nike, right? Yes. So like your early you know order period, you know like the your futures orders that just wrapped up last month. Yeah. Does with the way you're doing your spreadsheets and stuff and how you're meeting with your coaches, do you feel like you've kind of helped streamline that for? for middle Tennessee in terms of, cause it's a disaster when you're trying to get those orders in and like your timelines and deadlines for coaches. And you have every coach wanting to do, you know, a million like Nike authentics. And you're like, coach, you, you seriously, you don't have the budget for this. And mm-hmm. like, just trying to walk them through that process. Have you tried to do anything different with, with, you know, the, the organizational side of that? 
I have, and it's it's night and day different from the time I got here to what we're able to do now. Um, number one, everybody has a budget and knows the budget. <laughs> and so with the way game day is structured now, I can go in and pre-allocate what their fiscal year budget is for the next year, and they can work uh, off that now for next year. And so having the ability to do that takes a lot of coordination between myself, Nike, and our um, business office to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And, of course, we're going to have an occasional hiccup of, you know, we need some here or there. So I got a slush fund to kind of help with those needs. But that transparency on the front end, laying the groundwork out, um, that helps me out. And then this year, because of COVID, of course, our Nike rep wasn't able to come on campus and physically show the product. So along with the teachers and everybody else that has to adapt to, um, you know, the new age of how things operate, I was able to actually get through our Nike meetings a lot faster because I was a able to send them a video prior to the product actually showing up so they could they can actually click, sit down and watch it and go through it along with the the catalogs. But I also gave them the option once the product showed up on campus, I set up a display and I had the the video in loop in the background in one of our conference rooms where they could come in, touch, feel and kind of get a get a grasp of what that product actually felt like in person versus just, you know, the flat book that we look at. And we don't know if this is actually a sweater or a T-shirt kind of deal. You know, coaches don't really care about that, that much detail. Uh, we know the difference because we deal with it all the time. Uh, but on the page, it looked like a shirt. Um, so we were able to do that. And then when it came to actually placing the order, I have the ability uh, to go in. And we talked about how we wanted to do it this year versus how we did it last year. And we we kind of itemized each order a lot more than we have in the past. Instead of, you know, one being soccer and everything in this order is soccer, you know, I made orders that were uh, soccer short, soccer top, soccer whatever, and uh, we're now direct shipping all that a bunch of that stuff to Image Apparel Solutions. So uh, when it comes in, you know, it usually starts rolling in around June or July. Uh, then I would used to take that stuff to a local shop. Well, now I'm I'm direct dropping stuff to him. We already have a a branding guy which we didn't have at first, and we we're able to pick you know page eight, you know soccer. Um, and work on that stuff now. So, of course, the order, the Nike order was placed, and now we're in a window where we're working on what embellishment pieces look like on that stuff. So we're not quite done with that yet. It's still a work in progress. Uh, but by the, by, you know, the end of December, I have all of that stuff submitted to them, and I'm just waiting for it to show up in July. Um, so, yes, um, it's, 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 it's quite a few steps. And it took quite a bit of work to get to this point. But now that coaches see what the end result is and how little work they have to do once it shows up, oh, they they love it. And and then you all of my sports are getting the same kind of love. So I talked about the branding guide, and that was a that was a bit of a, a fight here to begin with. Um but now that we have it and they see product and the baseball team looks like the softball team and and the basketball team's getting the same love that the football team's getting. Um, just to be able to see that product and that same font, that same calligraphy on their, their shirts. And um, they 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 notice that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's for one. Um, yes, it was a lot of work up front, but that's kind of what we hit on earlier. You're either going to work now or you're going to work later. So you've already got a lot of that out of the way. So by the time the stuff shows up, the work's done. And that's something that I've pushed where I've been. And, and it's so much easier when you're an equipment guy and you open it up and it's got a box that says, you know, uh, Blue Raiders softball, and you know exactly where it's got to go. It's done. There's no more trips to take um, across town to an, to an embellishment shop, nothing. But the branding aspect has become more and more in college athletics. I think we've talked about it on here before, but uh, Jeremy Darlow's book, Brands Win Championships, I read it, I, I loved it, but it talks about how the guy in charge of the branding at college universities is is growing in influence, and that's becoming the, the thing that – really drives everything but you talk about all the top programs is clemson and alabama and you know notre dame for instance and and they're big brands and so the big thing is if you have consistent branding and if you're a team that's constantly in and out of airports 
or if you're, you're uh, big around town and everyone can look and say, that's an athlete, that's athletics gear, you could tell. I think it goes a long way, and it really does make your program look that much better. I, I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah, branding guides make a huge difference, man. And the the best thing for me when I was at Richmond is, so the the Richmond logo is not actually a spider. I don't know if anybody's ever seen it. It's a tick. It, it's truly a tick. It's like a one singular body. There's no actual head to it. Um, they got sued. It's a long story. Um, but in terms of athletics, athletics can put just the spider alone on any of their pieces of apparel because they're not selling it for retail. If anything was to be sold for retail, you had to have either like Richmond or you are adjacent to that spider. So like to the, to the left of it. Um, so you could always tell it was very easy to tell who was wearing, you know, athletics apparel, who was wearing licensed apparel. And it's this, it's very similar. Like with campuses, you're where you're seeing stuff that has trademark on it. Like, so you brought up Clemson. You have the, the little sea paw or the sea paw, the Clemson like paw, tiger paw. Mm-hmm. And then you have like the little registered trademark there. And this, that's the only way you're really going to be able to tell the difference between what an athlete wears and what somebody bought at the bookstore. So having a guideline for helping your other sports look, you know, if, usually, you know, one of the biggest things is you see like your big sports, like football and basketball, really wear the nicest gear with some of the best like printing on it. But if you open it up so that soccer has the same ability to look good, mm-hmm. you're having a lot, you're having a better chance at recruiting because they're going to see that they're going to get better gear and you have happier student athletes and coaches. Right. 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 And that's, that's probably made a huge difference for you. Not to mention your business office must love you. Okay. And then you think about the, the retail side of it. So I saw that piece a lot of times as an equipment guy, you always get from outside people. How do I get that piece? Mm-hmm. And so, if you can streamline it all, you know our book, our font change. I changed our font when I first got here, so we have that. It's a bolder blue Raiders or whatnot, and that wasn't what was on the retail side. So, being able to get that changed to the retail side, it's easy for me to say now that that stuff is now available in our campus bookstore or at textbook brokers or whatever, and it looks the exact same. I, I really like that font too. It does stand out. I think bold is a, is a good way to describe your font. It's got a very distinct look, and that's the thing too with with any athletic department. If you have a font like that, you want to push that kind of thing with the brand. Nothing nothing is gets on my nerves more than if you've got your primary logo at at Walmart and underneath it is just some generic aerial <laughs> aerial yeah. italicized your you know insert university name here. And it's just like you you went half the way. Just use our custom font. If you're going to put our word mark there, put our word mark. But that that does go a long way. And, and as equipment guys, we get that question a lot. And it's it's easy to see, too, if you keep in touch with, you know, if you keep and, and you follow your alma mater after you graduate. You may go do an internship with the NFL. You may go be a GA somewhere else. You may go into engineering for several years. But if you're still keeping up with your alma mater and you're trying to get that gear, you understand the retail side of it. It's like, yeah, I want to buy a polo. I, I could always ask my guys to hook me up with something, but you know the, what they're wearing on the sidelines is not available at the bookstore. And it, it is frustrating, and you start to understand that side of it for fans as well. So I think that the branding um, aspect of college athletics has gotten huge. I think with COVID, that's a, the, the schools with the top brands and that are that are strong enough uh, countrywide, but especially in their areas of of the nation, are gonna are gonna really succeed in pulling themselves out of this at a quicker rate than other schools because everybody's hurting financially. But the schools who can rely on their brand and not have to put so much money into recruiting new students, um, not just athletics, just admissions. I think that's that's the schools that are gonna come out of this a little more gracefully than than maybe the rest of us. Then I know this is other duties as as assigned. Um, so if you kind of look at some of the other things I've done is I'm, I'm semi facilities and operations guy. And so in the past year, we've, uh, we put a new volleyball gym floor in and, and in doing so you got to start looking at what, again, the marks, the artwork, kind of what goes on. So branding guy was easy to pull out and say, Hey, we want this, this, and this, uh, we did a new padded wall over at softball. When we started decorating that, guess what we did? 
pulled out the branding guide, said we wanted this, this, and this. Um, and then we also did some video boards. When it started to look at the front and kind of my word marks and my logos on it, we want this, this, and this. And it makes the decision-making process 10 times faster. It, it really does. It makes it faster, especially with all that stuff. But logoing just your, your athletes year, year to year. If you've got a coach that comes in and wants to reinvent the wheel every time, I mean, that, that's time consuming. There's some unique designs that come out. seems like every Olympic sport uh, at a school has one coach who I want the logo on the front on the chest, but I also want the word mark across the back, like basically on the butt. Um, <laughs> that, that seems to be the common theme. But it's fine if you want to reinvent the wheel, but from a time-saving standpoint, if you could just open up that branding guide, and, like you said, page eight, soccer. Like that's the quickest – you know, we want this one color, sports specific. Go. That mm-hmm. saves coaches time. That saves us time. And if you're going through and you're doing these big facilities overhauls, that's definitely a time saver. But yeah, I mean, I'd say I'd say your other duties is assigned. I mean, from designing courts like that to carrying out fifteen thousand dollars cash on the operation <laughs> side of it, I think you've kind of got a lot of different boxes checked. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. When well, the good thing too with having your branding guide, you're really and I don't know necessarily how your coaches are, but if everybody's had that coach where they want to do a new thing every single time with some of their apparel and they're always just looking for just some off-the-wall, ridiculous artwork that <laughs> I'm just like, man, you you, you don't need this. Like we're, We have an idea <laughs> of how we want this school to look. We have an idea of how we want to present our sports. And the, the best part is you can literally just hold up that branding guide and just be like, here you go, man. This is it. This is what you have to work from. Find what you want in here, and I'll make it happen. Because otherwise, you aren't going to get it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's all I've got. Unless Pat's got anything else. Or Larry, you have any questions you want to ask us or anything. Um, I've really enjoyed it, though. I think you've got a unique background. And I was um, – Stig, Stig dropped your name to us, and I said, yeah, I've been following this guy, um, social media and stuff. And, and you were one I was really intrigued to talk to. Well, appreciate appreciate you guys having me. Um, I started listening to the podcast probably a month before uh, Stick gave me a call, and I was like, <laughs> "You're on it." I said, "I gotta <laughs> listen to this one, man. I got. Uh-huh. I, I'm I'm about to right now. I'm about to go in the backyard, and I'm gonna kick my feet up, and I'm listening to your whole thing, Stick." He was like, "Oh man, I, do it, do it. Take your time, enjoy." So you guys do an amazing job. You you shine a light on our industry. Um, that was another thing I wanted to make sure I did well. And I started as a student with our, our Twitter page because a lot of people, like I said, don't know exactly what we do or how we get it done. And social media gives us the opportunity to shine. And so although it's just a, a picture of, you know, somebody, everything is a craze right now of how you break in footballs. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Nobody no, we're the only people that know <laughs> that really happens. Yeah. And so yeah. seen more pictures of mudded footballs in the past two weeks than right. I've seen. Throughout my entire life. But yep. social media gives us the opportunity to shine a light on those things. And so I'm, I've been taking advantage of it and, you know, use it to my advantage. Hey, man. Yeah, I think I think you said it. Trying to shine a positive light on this industry. That's definitely something we had a goal of doing that when we started this. But I, I, I am encouraged, even though I'm not some old head saying this, but I've been in this industry for about 10 years now. But I, I'm encouraged seeing people like you who are using technology. It's people who are putting their brand out there and who are brand conscious. And how do we look as a, as a profession when we do what we do, not just how does it look in the equipment room, but you being that when you leave middle Tennessee state, whether it be next year and 60 years, when you retire or drop dead in that equipment room, that's, that's, you know, odd shaped or whatever it may be. um, The next guy who goes into that role if that administration has a positive view of equipment because they worked with you and that's their experience, then you're making it better for the next guy that comes in there. And, you know, I know a lot of people listening may have followed someone who didn't have a great relationship with their school or, or didn't leave on great terms. And you're already in a hole you're digging out. And that's not just equipment. That's, that's any profession. So the more good equipment managers we've got out there who are making the rest of us look good, I think the better we're doing. So I really appreciate you being as organized as you are. I appreciate everybody who's who's listening to this and who's maybe learning anything and, and putting it into to practice in their equipment rooms. I know I'm already running a thousand miles an hour in my brain on action plans and <laughs> and how, how my students are going to walk in next week and have something different. Um, 
but no, I just appreciate it. I think, I think if we all can learn something, not just from this, but from, you know, conventions and RIP Atlanta 2021, if you haven't seen that email yet, um, that one's already canceled. So so they got the website up back and running too. Uh, There was an email that came out. I don't, I haven't checked the website, but an email came out yesterday from Royster that it's canceled. So without those kind of breakout sessions and those exchanging of ideas, I'm finding more and more value in this podcast than just, bringing people on and, and kind of spreading that and getting my uh, figurative CEUs, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, I'll, I'll end it with, with this and, and Scott knows, Scott knows my feelings on this. And the more people we have like you, Larry and, and stick. And I, I even find myself finding this hard to believe to say this, but like Scott who see things a different way and want to do things a different way than here and just well this is how we've always done it right Mm -hmm. like you want to do it and make it better and truly try to improve the image of the equipment room the image of the student athlete the image of the the coaching staff your administration just trying to improve the day-to-day life of everybody that you're around the more people we have like that the more respected this industry will be and it's it's awesome to be able to sit down and talk to guys like you who i mean the, just the background that you have and the insights you have and the way that you do things embracing technology cuz i'll tell you that is not something that is common amongst equipment managers and especially and I'm, this isn't i'm not trying to say anything bad about the older guys but the old guard man like a lot of those guys they're a pen and paper and this is not even a slight at stick cuz i know he's a pen and paper guy that's just how he does things but you got to be able to embrace technology. It's there for us for a reason, mm-hmm. right? And how much better has it made your life? You have a spreadsheet and you can talk about budgets and then you just update it and you can add a, add a sheet for the next year and add a sheet to the next year. So you can go back and look every single year what you're being, what you're spending your money on, what you don't need to be spending money on, how to you know, make that dollar stretch as far as you possibly can. Being able to do that and have proof for everything that you're doing and being able to have an idea in your head, put it all down on paper so that everybody else can understand it. We need more people like that in this industry because it's only going to help everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for joining us. We, I mean, obviously we both learned things. Uh, There's things that I can even use from this, not even being in equipment anymore to make my life better and, and help you guys. Cause I work with coaches, equipment managers, you know, athletic directors. I can implement some of those ideas into my life just to to streamline things. So it was uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, and we appreciate you coming on and, and joining us. Like I said, thanks for having me, guys. See ya. See ya. Till next time.